It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Okay, welcome to another episode of Core Extra Podcast. Very special episode. This is the first episode of 2020, right? And um, if you've been following us, you know we're just coming off a big trip. My wife and I are coming off of a big trip to uh, South America and Antarctica, of all places, right? The end of the world. I was trying to figure out the best way to share the experiences in South America and Antarctica. And I'm just going to put them on in order. If you look on our Instagram and our Twitter, you'll see that uh, I posted some pictures while I was gone. But, you know, Internet was hard to uh, manipulate down there uh, for obvious reasons. The Wi-Fi was pretty good on the ship we were on, but um, it's better for just downloading uh, messages and texts and WhatsApp and all that as opposed to trying to post an episode. So so the only episode I have on so far from the trip is uh, from Castro, Chile, which was a really cool place to hang out. I hung out there for a while and uh, in the park. And if you go back and listen, I was fired up because I thought I was going to get to play the guitar in uh, Castro, Chile, but it didn't work out for for kind of an anecdotal reason. So check out the previous episode. Um, I called uh, Castro Chile, oddly enough. So anyway, let's get right to it. So the first place that we kind of went and and experienced a tour was in Punta Arenas, Chile. Nice place, port, obviously, uh, port city, right on the water, obviously. This cruise ship pulls up, and we took an organized tour. And the organized tour was great. You know, when you're when you're in uh, countries that depend on tourism, I mean, the tours are really comfortable. Um, I think years ago they weren't so comfortable, and the tour people weren't so um, educated on on the um, on customer service, and even the cities that you were in or the countries that you were in. Uh, but now a lot of these tour guides are on big fancy buses the buses even have wi-fi some of them and not only that but a lot of these guys go to uh, college or universities and they get degrees in tourism hotel management all of that counts toward the uh, tourism um, experience so so when you get one of these guys or women uh, they're very good they're very good at making you feel comfortable they know you're far away from home but they make you feel comfortable and they make you feel at ease so you can absorb everything you, everything they're trying to share with you. So what, what was the first place we went? For, and this is the place I'll tell you about in this episode. We went to the Punta Arenas Cemetery. Now, I know it sounds funny that we went to a cemetery, but the cemetery, I mean, it was beautiful. Now, here in Cincinnati, we have the Spring Grove Cemetery which is an amazing place. People come from all over the country to um, see the uh, Spring Grove Cemetery. They really do. That's, that's no exaggeration. Um, but this cemetery was very similar. It was, um, and I'll put some pictures on there for everybody to see. 
but the some of the monuments and some of the um oh, what do you call those things mausoleums were incredible and in Punta Arenas, the family comes down and tends to the the burial site. So a lot of these burial sites were beautiful and manicured and very personalized. A lot of photos, uh, a lot of photos, uh, a lot of letters uh, where people have written letters to their to their deceased uh, family members. But the one thing I want to point out during this episode, anyway, is something that was very interesting in this cemetery. There's only one. There's only one indigenous person, indigenous to Chile, uh, buried in this cemetery. Of all the people that are buried there, there's only one, and there's a statue at the gravesite of this person in in, in in indigenous garb, and he is standing there. It's a bronze statue, and you know how bronze, when it's all shined up, kind of has a gold. Uh, tint to it, but then it gets um, the elements turn it to that that dark greenish color, you know, and you have to keep cleaning it. Well, on this particular statue, the only part that is still that bronze, shiny bronze, goldish color is uh, the person's left hand. So when we walked up there to the uh, gravesite. I mean, you can see this stands out. And again, if you just go to our Twitter page, you'll see the photo that I posted there. It really stands out because it's like his hand looks like it's made of gold, right? But um, so he asked the tour guide, what's the deal with that? And he told us a very interesting story. I want to share it with you. He said that this is the only indigenous person in the in the cemetery. And the reason that is, is because way back during the wars, when it was uh, when they were fighting off the people trying to colonize uh, Chile, when they during the wars, they found a dead soldier and this indigenous person dead. Um, they had killed each other in a hand to hand battle. So after everything said and done, they put this indigenous person into the c- the city cemetery. And where he is still laid to rest. And they wanted to pay homage to the fact that this was an indigenous person uh, to Chile. So what has happened over the years is people go up and touch his left hand and ask for miracles. And that's why his hand is still gold. People, well, still that shiny bronze color. People still come up and do that to this very day. And if you look at the photograph that I've, um, that I've posted, you'll see that there are flowers and there are thank yous in bricks in the wall all around this statue. Uh, way more than I could uh, get pictures of but and to make them fit. But, um, so, and those are thank yous for the miracles coming true. We saw letters. We saw flowers. And they decided to leave the and other kind of things, photos. And it was all um, very impressive and uh, very interesting that people still have that attachment. And it's almost like there's two sets of people that go in there because, like I say, again, this is the only indigenous person. So there are a lot of Chileans that will go in there and identify with this person. He's almost like a saint. 
And then there's people who come from the higher class in Chile, and they are more attracted to the cemetery that has Sarah Braun, who started the cemetery. And Sarah Braun was a woman from Russia who came over and married a succession of very rich and powerful men, and she started the cemetery. And um, and the cemetery stands today, and there's a lot of um, a lot of um, paying homage to Sarah Braun in the cemetery. But and, and then there's also a lot of people who go over uh, to the statue, right? <laughs> so when you hear that you're going to a cemetery, you know, you kind of think, what? What does what, what that going to offer? It was like when we were in Argentina, we went to a prison. And I'll tell you more about that later. But but when you think about going on a tour, you don't think about going to a cemetery and or a prison. But in this case, a cemetery in Chile. But the cemetery is a rich part of the history of, um, of, of Punta Arenas. Uh, so it was a very interesting tour. And it was very interesting to, to, um, to learn about that. And you, and you think if you were in the cemetery by yourself, you'd walk right past it and you don't, you don't even know why. But uh, again, that's the, the well-informed uh, tour guides that we have. And this guy was great. I think his name was Edgar. I could be wrong about that. Um, so then where do we go next? Um, we went up to a farm and watched some shear sheep, which I've never been part of. Um, watched some shear sheep right there. But also on this farm, they had llama. And prior to us going out and seeing the llamas, we ate empanadas. Now, empanadas are various sized little dough-filled. Um, sometimes they fill them with ham, and sometimes they fill them with eggs. You can fill them with anything, I imagine. Then they fold it over and uh, crimp it down, and um, it's a nice little treat. These we had were, were very small, but I've had empanadas as big as my hand. But these were very small, and and um, they were they were for like a, a, a mid afternoon snack. So when we were eating the empanadas, um, they were meat. So we asked them what kind of meat it was, and they said it was llama. So I thought they said lamb, but no, they said it's llama. So when we got out in the um, when we got out in the um, farmyard there, there was llamas running around. And then I felt kind of it was felt kind of creepy, like, man, I just ate your cousin. When I'm looking at this llama, and I know that's the way it is with cows, but you don't think about that with llamas. I don't think about eating a llama. I just think about I think they cut the hair off of llamas, or am I thinking of alpacas? I'm probably getting it all mixed up. But um, and the the llama, so the guy that was walking us through, he kept telling us. He said, "Now listen." Don't look at the llama in the eye because they'll spit on you. That's just what they do. He said, so you got to be careful. So, of course, you know, I stayed way back. I don't want any part of that. So the guy that told us that, who works on the farm, lives on the farm, is his farm. Uh, he has something like 50,000 acres or something, something crazy. So he's walking past the llama and he's feeding him, but he's being careful not to look the llama in the eye. And lo and behold, what happened? The llama spits on him anyway. <laughs> so, the only thing I can, the only thing I can conclude is, conclude is that the llama knows 
that they butchered his cousin and we were in there eating his cousin. And he says, I'm going to spit on this guy anyway. That's what it felt like because uh, he got him really good. I don't have a picture of that because I was making sure I stayed far away. I don't want no part of that because for me, the llama would spit on me. I'd become infected with something and I'd be patient zero of the black plague that's sweeping the nation. We already have the flu sweeping the nation. I'd I'd blame that on the llama if it was me, right? <laughs> you know, but that was Chile. Um, you know, you always think of South America being so hot, but it was kind of cool there. I mean, you have to you have to bundle up a little bit. I mean, I mean, especially um, I mean, I think it's their summer, but it's cool, but it's windy. I tried to do a lot of podcast recording outside, but. Man, it's windy. And I mean, it's heavy wind. Um, it, it cuts right through you. I mean, we have that wind chill factor here in Ohio, but the lower you get in South America, man, the wind cuts right through you. So you always have to have a jacket or something on. It's not like we were running around in shorts and T-shirts, which is what you think in South America. But that happens the lower you get. The higher up you get, you're okay. The more north you get, you're okay. You can um, you can take the jacket off, but but that was our time in Punta Arenas, uh, Chile. So now, when I get back to the ship, I start thinking. I'm in Chile, and and you always hear on the menus Chilean sea bass. Now, I have heard stories that there is no such thing as a Chilean sea bass. They took another fish, called it Chilean sea bass because the fish, number one, was ugly and it had a had a weird name and nobody would uh, eat it if it had that name. So what I decided to do is get to the bottom of this. I decided to launch a core extra investigation. To whether there's not a Chilean sea bass. So what I did was I asked our server. We had a server named Dora, who was great. She was from, um, where's she from? She is from um, Portugal, which I love. We were in Portugal in 2016. She was from Portugal. So I wanted to find out what the deal is. So I asked Dora to ask the chef. So I'm going to play the recording for you so you can hear it straight from her. I'm going to play the recording for you. Here's what Dora had to say, you know, through the chef, or what the chef had to say through Dora. Head chef of the Seaborne Cruise, okay? Seaborne Quest was the ship we were on. So let's listen to how this went down. This is me in in the dining room talking to Dora about Chilean sea bass. I am... Somewhere in the Drake's Passage, trying to get to the bottom of whether there's an actual fish called Chilean sea bass. Because I've heard that there is no such fish called Chilean sea bass, that that's a made-up menu item in the United States. (laughs) But other people have told me that there are actually sea bass in Chile that uh, is a local fish. Now... Right now, Dora 
uh, my waiter, waitress, server, I should say, is getting to the bottom of this. We've launched a core extra investigation into the Chilean sea bass mystery. And as I sit here, I think Dora is heading this way with the information as we speak. Okay, here's Dora with the information. So here's the here's the answer. So the chef is saying, as I was telling you, uh, we have this sea bass Chilean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chilean sea bass basically is uh, the the meat of the fish is a lot more hard. It's okay. like uh, you actually need a knife to cut it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just because, in, can you imagine the um, swordfish? Uh-huh. It's like it's dry and meaty. This uh, sea bass is actually the same. Okay, so there is a Chilean sea bass. Yeah. It's a local Sea bass. It's a local sea bass. Do they export it? Probably, maybe. I guess um, probably. Uh, we in Europe, we eat that uh, our sea bass and our sea bass is flaky and it's very right. tender. It's not a, as, it's as not this sea bass. Okay. All right. Yeah. So there it is. There's the answer. It's <laughs> a hard fish. Hard. Okay. So the takeaway is it's really hard. Uh, it's like a swordfish. It's hard to cut through with a knife. It's not swordfish. It's a beefish. Hard fish. So there's the answer. You heard it straight from Dora. Who talked to the chef here on the Seaborn Quest? So basically, we are probably just getting a fish from Chile when you get a Chilean sea bass. So if you order a Chilean sea bass in the U.S. and you need a knife to cut through it, it is a local sea bass from Chile. But if not, it's just something else that they've called a Chilean sea bass. That is the takeaway. All right, you. So that concludes the core extra investigation into this culinary mystery. Okay, you heard it straight from Dora, but I'm still not sure. Dora's basically saying, is describing it to me, which would make you believe that it actually exists. So I had to do further investigation because I, I'm not sure Laura, Dora understood what I was asking or or if I understood uh, what the chef was saying through her, you know, you have language language barriers and, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to get through. So I had to dig deeper and I had to uh, develop a source in the kitchen of the Seaborn Quest to get to the bottom of this because this bothered me, of course. So then I found out that the Chilean sea bass is really the Patagonian toothfish. And the Patagonian toothfish, if you look it up, could be one of the ugliest fish I've ever seen. Okay? So the story is they couldn't market the Patagonian toothfish, so they changed it to Chilean sea bass to make it sound more exotic, and the rest is history. So whenever you see Chilean sea bass, you're eating a Patagonian toothfish, a very ugly fish, um, would have been very difficult to to um, market. So they decided to call it the Chilean sea bass. Now, that is the story that I heard from my other sources in the kitchen. Okay? Now, I don't know. Maybe you'll hear it from somebody else. Maybe they'll tell you something totally different. But... It was strictly a name change from Patagonian toothfish to Chilean sea bass because it sounds Chilean sea bass sounds more exotic.
So, of course, while in Chile, you know, I had to think of movies that were produced in Chile and movies that uh, are, were filmed in Chile as well. So probably the most popular movie that was filmed in Chile, I would say, uh, at least Hollywood released movie is Spy Kids when Antonio Banderas, remember him? He has been a while for a long time. You know, I actually thought when when Banderas made Zorro, I thought he'd make like four or five other Zorros. I don't know if he did or not, but none of them popped to mind. But at any rate, that was filmed there. Um, there was a couple of other films that were filmed there, but um, um, Death and the Maiden with Sigourney Weaver and Ben Kingsley was filmed, partially filmed there. But the one that stood out for me since I was in a cemetery, okay, was one called Descendants, okay? It's called Descendants. And now, there's about 20 different movies called The Descendants, My Descendants, and all this. This one is just Descendants. It was made and produced in Chile. So, of course, being at the cemetery, I think of this movie that I saw uh, years ago. And let me give you the plot. I'll read the plot to you. After a virus causes a zombie apocalypse, see, zombies, a cemetery, the military engages in brutal warfare against the roving zombies. Young mutants who are immune to both the virus and the zombies band together and attempt to escape the violence. Camille, the oldest child, expects to find a safe haven by the coast, and she leads several younger children through the land where they must avoid bloodthirsty soldiers who mistake them for zombies. Now, here's the deal. The budget of this movie was between $100,000 and $200,000. Okay? This was back in, I believe, 2009. Okay. So how was it? Well, some people give it one out of five stars. And other people have given it five out of five stars. And I kind of got the impression the closer you live to Chile, the more you like it. You know what I mean? But um, it's been called smart, stunning to watch, uh, but boring. Uh, the movie situates the infected against an unforgettable anemic world. <laughs> That's, I'm just reading bits and pieces of it. Bits and pieces of the um, um, reviews because the reviews were bad, you know. But the director, and I don't want to, I don't want to mispronounce his name. I think it's Jorge Olguin. He, this was his first English language film. So, all right. They shot it in seven days, and it's billed as the first Chilean zombie film. Now I don't know how many Chilean zombie films there are, but this one was the first one. So I think I told you just a few minutes ago, it was the budget was between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars, and it made a staggering thirty one thousand dollars during its initial run. So Descendants has had they've had it rough, <laughs> okay? But I've seen it. Uh, what did I think about it? Well, you know, it's all right. I've seen a lot worse, and I've seen a lot better. You know, I don't want to badmouth it, you know, because I love Chile and I, and I love the people of Chile. But um, let's just say it's challenging. It's challenging. But um, that was the movie that came out. I was always trying to think when I was in Chile. I said, I know I've seen a movie 
that is produced. I've watched a ton of movies, and I know I've seen something from Chile. So I Googled it, to be honest, and and when that came up, I thought, aha, I saw that. And of course, because it's zombies, right? You know, uh, of course I've seen it. You know, those are the best kind of movies, zombies, Godzilla. Um, so I've seen it. So I've been, been able to tie that in to my visit down there. So what we're going to do, I'm going to keep releasing bits and pieces about our trip. And hopefully that will spur you to either take a trip down there or just follow along on our journey. I'll put up plenty of pictures as we go along. And and again, I'm going to put up the, uh, if you go to the Twitter right now, you'll see the picture um, from the cemetery, the indigenous person at the cemetery. So that's what I have for you guys today. Uh, this is the first episode of 2020. Hope everybody had a happy New Year. We didn't. We didn't do a New Year's and Christmas um, episodes this year because uh, I didn't get back in time from uh, Antarctica to really sit down and put something together. And now Steve is under the weather. He has that flu that everybody's getting, or he has something. Uh, so I haven't even seen him. I don't want to get near him. I don't want to get sick. Um, but but um, that's why we didn't do that this year. So in January, I will be putting on um, more episodes about the trip to South America and Antarctica. And I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you guys uh, continue to listen. Please continue. Uh, go to iTunes and give us a rating. Um, five-star ratings is what we prefer. Um, go to our Instagram. Uh, go to our Twitter Check out the photos. Excuse me. Check out the photos. Check out the stories. And uh, we're really uh, glad you listeners are along for the ride. So I want to say Happy New Year to, to all the listeners. Um, a special Happy New Year to any listener in Poland. Why Poland? Because that was our first overseas download of 2020 was some episodes. Um, they listened to it in Poland. So I haven't been there. But maybe I'll get there one day. Who knows? But uh, that's when, of course, a Happy New Year to everybody in Chile, Argentina, everybody, and even the people that are at the uh, base in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they're giving us a listen. I asked them to. So thanks for listening, everybody. Check out our Instagram. Check out our Twitter. And uh, give us some likes and uh, ratings on iTunes. We really appreciate it. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Talk to you soon. 